Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 47, Awake and Arise. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Remember, we are focusing on 2 Nephi chapter 1, but 2 Nephi chapter 1 through 4, remember, are the last counsel of Lehi before he departs this life. He's specifically speaking to Laman, Lemuel, Nephi, Sam, the sons of Ishmael, and Zoram in this chapter 1. And essentially, his message is, enough is enough. Stop it. Or at least that's how I read it. Fresh in his mind are the days upon the ship when the waves were threatening to overtake them, when his son Nephi was bound, and his two older sons Laman and Lemuel were threatening to take Nephi's life away. And they were also threatening anyone else who dared speak up against their actions. It was a moment that had brought both Lehi and Sariah down upon their sickbeds. And it affected their youngest two sons, Jacob and Joseph, who were still in need of nourishment from their mother. These were horrific moments upon the ship. And I believe also that Lehi, as a prophet at this moment, is searching himself to find the right words to say that he's searching his heart and he's racking his mind on how he could possibly teach these two grown sons of his the importance of their role in God's plan. They had been led to a promised land. They had been chosen by the Lord to start over. They had been preserved to continue his gospel upon the earth. While back in Jerusalem, it was being deteriorated and destroyed. They were chosen. They were broken off and they were chosen to come to the promised land and preserve and live this gospel. That through God, they had been given an opportunity to live his law unhindered and to reap the multitude of blessings that surely the Lord would shower down upon them, that he was waiting to bless them with. All of this they found out as they read and studied the brass plates and as Lehi and Nephi prophesied from them. All of this had been foretold. And yet Laman and Lemuel, they're just not grasping it. And now Lehi senses that his time on the earth is about to come to a close. And in order for him to be able to leave this life with gladness and also that peace in his heart that we all desire to leave with, that he had done his best, that everything that could be said was said. And so he is giving his last counsel to his sons. And starting in verse 13, Lehi says, Awake! Awake from a deep sleep, yea, even the sleep of hell. And translated into carry ease, I hear him saying, Wake up and notice, sons, the circumstances you find yourself in. Pay attention to the magnificence of this opportunity, the gift of salvation that is being offered to you, the opportunity you have to raise your family on the straight and narrow path leading to the tree of life. This is our chance, boys. This is our chance to start over and to be protected and to follow God. Because to stay asleep or to remain ignorant of the meaning behind everything that we have been asked to do, 
that is what hell is. And I see you doing the very thing that the adversary is championing you to do. Lehi instructed his sons to shake off the awful chains by which ye are bound, which are the chains which bind the children of men, that they are carried away captive down to the eternal gulf of misery and woe. The cluelessness that Laman and Lemuel chose to remain in regarding the workings and the dealings of God, that is what made up their chains link by link. When we choose to not see the omniscient ways of God, when we choose to be uninterested or apathetic towards his dealings, and instead hold tightly to our preferences, we are then limiting ourselves. And that is when we are buying in to Satan's lie that freedom of choice and freedom of living is to remove and step away from God's statutes. In that choice and in that moment, that is when we are trading eternal joy for temporary pleasure, which puts us on the path of misery and woe because we are rejecting the true Messiah. Remember, to reject is to dismiss as inadequate, inappropriate, or not to one's tastes. And that causes me to think, what teachings of my Savior am I rejecting because I just don't feel that they are appropriate for my circumstances? Or I imagine that if he was in my position, he would totally be like, yeah, Carrie, you got me. You're right. You found the one loophole, the exception to all of my rules. Yeah, you're experiencing it. And hey, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, hold on to that, Carrie. You have every right to remain mad and to criticize and to not partake of my sacrament and to not go to my house and to not minister, to not read my words and to not forgive. My gospel isn't adequate for your circumstances. Yeah, I'm sorry. It, it doesn't apply to what you're experiencing. So yeah, you, you've got to do what you got to do. Oh, be careful. Be careful if this is the dialogue that goes through your mind, recognizing that you might be going through something hard, but the gospel of Jesus Christ is there to carry you through that. And you compromising and stepping away from his ways, just be aware that that's not counsel from him. Lehi commanded his sons to awake and to arise from the dust. And in my not-so-eloquent speech, I interpret this as arise and get out of the gutter and come up onto high ground. Rise above the filth of the world. Rise above the behaviors that leave you disheveled or worse, that cause you to hide in the shadows and the low places of the earth. Instead, clean out the muck and the sludge in your mind and prepare it for something better. And what is better? Better is something that Lehi knows about. He's experienced it firsthand. And it isn't fantasy, folklore, or stuff you find in myths and fairy tales. It isn't foolish imaginations conjured up by man to help us make sense of the world, to help us create a system of do's and don'ts. And it isn't a feel-good step program to help us create structure out of chaos. Lehi could testify boldly because he knew for himself that Jesus Christ lives. Lehi shared with his sons that the Lord had redeemed my soul from hell. And how does he know such things? I have beheld his glory and I am encircled about eternally in the arms of his love. 
just like in his dream of the tree of life, when he partook of that fruit. He was filled with such feelings of joy. He desired for his family to partake of it. And Lehi is asking his sons to arise and partake. It's all true. It's all possible. He lives. And to be encircled about eternally in the arms of his love feels so good. It is everything that I as a parent could possibly want for you. I know you will cherish it once you are in his embrace. Just arise from the dust and come unto him. It's all Lehi ever wanted for his family. He was worried about them even from the beginning, I believe. I believe even in Jerusalem, he worried about his sons, desiring them to remember to observe the statutes and the judgments of the Lord. It has been the anxiety, he says, of his soul. And it has weighed his soul down because he is feared for their souls because Father Lehi knows of the potential consequences. Lehi warned his sons. He warned them of the wrath of the Lord that would manifest itself unto them, either by being cut off or destroyed. Neither sounds like a good option. And this will come by cursings upon them, manifesting itself by visitations of the sword or famine or being hated. And it will show itself with cursings. The Lord is going to remove himself and the devil will take his place and lead them into captivity. But whatever comes, he lets his sons know it will be the will of a righteous Lord. And here Lehi reminds his sons again the words of the Lord, Inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. But inasmuch as ye will not keep my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my presence. And Lehi commanded, Arise from the dust, my sons, and be men. Lehi nailed it. (laughs) I believe he nailed it. His sons, Laman and Lemuel, they weren't being men. And I could attempt to explain and list all the reasons why, but Elder Christofferson summed it up so nicely in his conference talk, Let Us Be Men. He said, by age, Laman and Lemuel were men. But in terms of character and spiritual maturity, they were still as children. They murmured and complained if asked to do anything hard. They didn't accept anyone's authority to correct them. They didn't value spiritual things. They easily resorted to violence. And they were good at playing the victim. Lehi continued to instruct his sons by saying, Be determined in one mind and in one heart, united in all things, that ye may not come down into captivity. And what are the blessings that unity has brought into your life? Think of an example. Can you find unity with your spouse? With your friendships? How about your neighbors? Or parents of your children's friends? Do you feel unified with the leaders of your community? Or perhaps the school teachers that teach your children? What about in your relief societies or in your elders' quorums? Doesn't ministering become delightful? When we have unity with our ministering partners, honestly, that is half the battle for me. I feel like that I can overcome any awkwardness that ministering can bring up if I know I have a companion who has my back. And I can apply that 
to each one of the previous examples when unity is present. I can overcome anything when I feel the confidence of others supporting me because we are like-minded and our hearts are knitted together. Unity isn't necessarily an easy attribute, though. Like all Christ-like attributes, some of us got it and some of us need to seek after it. I always feel like I'm the one seeking after it. (laughs) Do Do you? It takes appreciating the inside of others, appreciating their gifts, their talents, their speed of operation. Not everybody moves at the same speed we do. Not everyone thinks at the same speed. And it's also appreciating other sensitivities. What we might just bulldoze over might mean something to someone else, and we need to be aware of that. And unity takes patience with others by not highlighting their shortcomings, but embracing their brilliance because everyone's got it. Unity isn't focusing on what they aren't contributing, but it's seeing what they add. It's opening your heart to others and trusting them with your vulnerabilities and allowing them to strengthen you with their presence and their knowledge, their skill set, their testimony, and you know, their assurances. It's allowing them to soothe you. It's valuing the principle of synergy that one plus one equals three, that you can accomplish more together than you can working against each other or just working alone. And then when you add the Savior into the mix, when you alone with Him or you with anyone else in Him are unified in one mind and in one heart, united in all things, your sloppy efforts are sanctified. Your sacrifices become magnified because you trusted Him. And true peace fills your heart because you can relax those fears that cause you to be on guard, ready to defend your honor, and you can rest in his confidence in you and acceptance of you because you are 100% always and forever. Lehi instructed his sons to awake and put on the armor of righteousness, shake off the chains which ye are bound and come forth out of obscurity and arise from the dust. Wake up, sister scriptorians. The Lord just didn't want the sons of Lehi to wake up. He desires all of his children to wake up. His arm is outstretched and he is handing you your armor. He is equipping you with truth, righteousness, the preparation of the gospel of peace, the power of faith, salvation, and his spirit. And he desires you to go forth. He is sounding the call to shake off whatever binds you down. Self-defeat, embarrassment, insecurity, lack of motivation, lack of confidence, grudges, fears, ignorance, grief, hopelessness, whatever disempowering beliefs you have about yourself. And he wants you to unbind yourself from them and to come forth, to come forth out of obscurity. Come forth out of your hiding places. Step away from your feelings of unimportance. Stop trying to blend in. Get out of the dust and arise. You have an important work to do. You are the nurturers, not only of your families, but of your fellow men. You are the light in the darkness to remind the world who has forgotten what the daughters of God are intended to do upon this earth. 
You are the mothers who create homes of righteousness and who take these precious spirits who were so excited to come to earth and experience all of this and you love them and you point them in the right direction, leaving everything else up to the will of God. Do you appreciate what strength you possess in this plan? How unique you are. What a threat to Lucifer you choose to be. Your efforts at learning, at living the statutes of God in doing away with rebelliousness will be magnified to the degree that you will be prepared for your mission here on earth. Whatever individual mission that the Lord and you are unified on or our collective mission articulated by President Kimball, that much of the major growth that is coming to the church in the last days will come because many of the good women of the world, in whom there is often such an inner sense of spirituality, will be drawn to the church in large numbers. This will happen to the degree that the women of the church reflect righteousness and articulateness in their lives, and to the degree that the women of the church are seen as distinct and different in happy ways. From the women of the world. And these are going to be women that we are going to want to unite with. Because President Kimball says that these heroines in the world who will come into the church are women who are more concerned with being righteous than with being selfish. These heroines have true humility, which places a higher value on integrity than on visibility. Close quote. We must prepare to arise and unite with them. Finally, Lehi instructed his sons, stop rebelling against Nephi, whose views have been glorious. He has kept the commandments and he has been an instrument in the hand of God in bringing us forth into the promised land. For were it not for him, we must have perished with hunger in the wilderness. Verse 24 is really interesting to me. Lehi was the prophet that brought them out of Jerusalem. And at this point in time, he still is the prophet. Yet something occurred in the wilderness. And I wish we had Lehi's teachings to give us more context. Because Lehi is humble enough to identify that it was Nephi who was the Lord's instrument in bringing the family into the promised land. I don't know, call it a gradual change of guards or personal stewardships working in harmony. But all of the tutoring that Nephi experienced was recognized and validated by his father prophet. And the precious birthright that every eldest son felt entitled to, Lehi says he'll give it to Laman. But if he doesn't listen to Nephi, that birthright will be taken away and it will be given to Nephi. In fact, Lehi counsels Laman, Lemuel, Sam, the sons of Ishmael, and Zoram to hearken unto Nephi. And speaking of Zoram, I wish we had more about him. I wish we had his story, his experiences, like his adjustments from servant to husband to the eldest of Ishmael's daughters. But what we do have is the appreciation of Lehi that Zoram has been a true friend to Nephi. I wish we knew more about that about what he did to deserve such praise. But we can assume that such a compliment meant that Nephi and Zoram were united in mind and heart. And because of this unity, Lehi promises Zoram that because of his faithfulness, his seed will be blessed with Nephi's seed, and they will dwell in prosperity upon the land, and only iniquity shall harm or disturb his posterity. 
Zoram's choice to follow Nephi on that fateful night in Jerusalem, when he discovered that Nephi was not Laban, and that he had actually just given the brass plates to an imposter. He could have chosen to retaliate, to call for help, or to flee, but he chose to follow Nephi. I wonder how he knew that that was right. Was it the chance of freedom that was enticing? Did the Spirit whisper to him and testify to him of Nephi's pure intent? Whatever transpired that night, it was well with him. For the Lord consecrated the land for the security of Zoram's seed with Nephi's seed, as long as he kept the commandments. The Lord is not a respecter of persons. In fact, he desires to bless and include all who choose him and all who unify their hearts and minds to him. Sister Scriptorians, awake and arise. Awake from the deep sleep. Shake off whatever chains bind you. Arise from the dust and be women, determined in one mind and in one heart, united in all things. Awake and put on the armor of righteousness and come forth out of obscurity. The Lord is calling for you. Have a good day.